0: Can be found on page three of the service sheet, and can also be found on page one thousand one hundred and fifty-nine. It is Saint Paul's second lesson to the Corinthians, chapter one, beginning at verse eighteen and reading to um, verse twenty-two. So, chapter chapter one, verse eighteen. Because I was confident of this, I wanted you to visit, I wanted to visit you so that you might benefit twice. I'm sorry I'm reading the wrong words. I, I haven't begun at 18, have I? Yeah, here we are. I should have begun. That was 15 I began at. Right. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through Him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set His seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing. What is to come?
1: Well, thank you very much, Val, for reading to us. I would have been delighted if you'd carried on from verse 15. It's all good stuff. Don't worry, that's fine. it, It was lovely to have read. And I would like to choose as a text, actually, verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. That's my text. My title you'll see on the sheet, is the Bridge of Hope, for which I'm indebted to the Archbishop of Canterbury on his recent visit to Ukraine. He visited what they have called the Bridge of Hope in Pyn, just to the northwest of Kiev. If you know the background of what happened there, the Ukrainian army had destroyed that bridge uh, very early on to hinder the Russian advance, and what was left of the bridge became the only way out of as the Russians advanced and uh, took ground. And you might recall the various images there were of families inching their way along two drainpipes, the drainpipes that remained of the bridge struggling with animals and pets and, and babies. And, of course, not everybody made it in the early stages of the, uh, the conflict there. There still are poignant reminders of the fatalities that happened as people escaped alongside the twisted metal of the bridge. But the bridge of death has been joined by a bridge of hope, because when the Russian army was pushed back from Kiev, a single train line was put in on a new bridge that just linked Yipin and Kiev, I think it is. So you've got the twisted metal there um, as a sort of visible reminder of all the terrible things that had happened. But this new bridge of hope That exists, and uh, they're they're thrilled to have a working train line linking the capital to points uh, north from there. Now, I've always loved the description of Jesus Christ as a bridge of hope for us. But it's striking to me that the two images of a bridge of death and a bridge of hope are fused in Jesus Christ. He came into our world the first Christmas as the God-Man, a bridge that spans the divide between God and humanity, and as fully God and fully human, a bridge that reached both ends. He entered our world, but that was deadly for him from the start, on the run from an evil king, and then later in life rejected and crucified when he bore our sins. But the hope we have comes from the fact that he was raised from death, as we've affirmed in our creed already tonight. And that resurrection guarantees our security. God promises it. So the bridge of death and the bridge of hope are joined in Jesus Christ. And Christmas crystallizes that for me because all through the Old Testament there had been promises which were realized when Christ came into the world, then when he died, And when he rose again, and will be fully realized when he returns. When it comes to making promises, God is absolutely faithful, faithful to the letter. He fulfills what he promises. God demonstrates that supremely in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. So there were multiple promises in the Old Testament. We've had the joy of looking at them over the last month or so in our church services. Multiple promises. If God promises Abraham that he'll bless the nations through the seed of Abraham, Jesus is the answer to that promise. If God promises that he'll give David a house and an eternal kingdom, Jesus, the son of David, born in the royal city of Bethlehem, is the answer to that promise. If God promises to lay on the suffering servant the iniquity of us all, Then, as we remember particularly at communion, Jesus is the answer to that promise. If he promises to pour out his spirit on his people through a spirit-anointed ruler, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me, said the prophet Isaiah of a, a king to come. Then, Jesus is absolutely right to say, as he did in Nazareth, today this prophecy has been fulfilled in me. If God promises a new heaven and a new earth, a day of the Lord, when all God's enemies will be defeated and God's people saved, then the second coming of Jesus is the answer. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. The Old Testament, rightly understood, always points to Jesus, sometimes explicitly, often implicitly. The Bible's always heading to him. And at Christmas, that hope was realized for all to see. Now, what should flow from that, that great bridge of hope in Jesus Christ, is assurance and confidence, which you'll agree, I'm sure, we greatly need in our lives at the moment, do we not? Great confidence. That is where Paul reaches a conclusion in the last little bit was read to us. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. What Paul is saying is that a God who is faithful with a capital F means we can stand firm. In Christ, with real assurance and confidence, God is absolutely to be trusted. Our future can be guaranteed by Him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I just want to encourage you tonight to take that on board and uh, stand on it, as it were. It's probably the most common error we make in spiritual things to imagine that we make promises to God. That will always lead to doubt, have I committed myself enough to him, or or despair even. We'll never have any assurance about our relationship with God if it rests on us making promises to him. No wonder we end up discouraged if we try that route. How much better to bank on the fact that he has made promises to us, that there's a bridge of hope in Jesus Christ. And to feast at communion today on the thought that he is absolutely committed to us. To the extent of shedding blood for us. What are we to do by way of response? Well, all we need to do by way of response in one sense is to say our our amen. It's a tongue twister. To say amen to the promise-making, promise-keeping God. So be it, Lord. Make your promises true in my life. Do what you've said, as we know you can, for the honor and glory of your name. Amen. That's the way to a settled relationship with God, which I covet for all of you. And uh, delight in myself, and long that everybody should delight in, that confident relationship with God based on his given hope to us. All the promises are yes in Christ. I wonder if um, this is relatively new to you, whether I can encourage you to ponder these truths for yourself more over Christmas. We have on the table on the way out booklets that you could take, um, which I'd be very glad for people to have just to, to read and just chew it over, because it's all very well to talk about having confidence in the promises of God, but if you have uncertainty then there's a need to think these things through and uh, come to a more settled conclusion. I'd love to give that encouragement to people if you're uh, sort of, as it were, investigating or still thinking it through. For others of you, uh, to say tonight, as we take bread and wine in a moment, Amen to the hope that God offers you is the invitation of these words. Let's pray together. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that the death of the Lord Jesus is our great hope. We thank you that he came and was born of a virgin for us to live a life for us and to die our death and to guarantee, therefore, our confidence before you. And we pray that you'd help us to stand firm in that confidence, whatever the future holds, for the honor and glory of your name. Amen.